Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Williams. This is the progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. Remember, you can also send me a tweet to E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is, at Egberto Williams. Let us engage. It is politics done right. One, two, three, four. Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with us. We're going to have a great show today. We're going to talk about something that's happening in the Democratic Party and progressives right now. And what I'm going to try to tell folks is forget about worrying about these issues with the Democratic Party and let's get the job done as progressives. Are you a progressive activist? Are you a progressive enlightener? Are you, progress- are you doing things of progressive values for getting the body politic engaged? Then, then, then we need to go ahead and make sure that we forget about all these these differences that are occurring. Uh, we need to forget about the Hillary-Bernie fight. All those things are, 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 should be under the bridge and should simply not matter. And for those who want to change the structure of the Democratic Party, we're going to talk a little bit about that later on. But anyhow, the title of the program today is Progressives Will Win. Progressives Will Win When We Give Up on Hoping Party Will Change and Just Change It. In other words, every time something happens in the, progressive, in, in the, in the Democratic Party that a whole lot of progressives don't like, they jump up and they scream about how bad the Democratic Party is and what the Democratic Party is doing to the progressive movement, et cetera, et cetera. Get over it. Progressives have the power to change the system. After all, it is with us where America lies. It is with us. It is the values that we have. Uh, if you uh, watch the blog that I put out last uh, earlier in the week where I showed a lot of issues that uh, Elizabeth Warren pointed out in the 2015 Netroots Conference, she laid it out perfectly, and I'll urge you guys to go find that blog on my site. The title of that blog is actually, and I'm, what I, I really want to get, I really want you guys to check out that blog because what it does, actually, I think I wrote it last night and I placed it on, on Daily Coast as well and on Op-Ed News, but I really want you to take a look at that blog. It is titled, uh, so write it down, it is titled, come on computer, bring up that blog page. It's going to come up in a little bit. And Welcome, Michelle Lemley. I used to think it was best to change it from within. I know now I was wrong. They don't want change, forward progress. They want to preserve more of the status quo at all costs. We're going to talk about that, Michelle. I hope you stick around when we start to talk about that. But the blog that I wanted to uh, tell you is is titled, it's the second blog on my page right now. It's titled, If Progressives Perform, the Country Will Respond. Its values are with us, meaning its values are not with the right. Its values are not with the establishment. Its values are not with the center. Its values are with us. And we have to start realizing that. 
And we, we don't have to make excuses. We don't have to go out there and say, uh, well, we just hope things would go our way or we make them go our way. And if you take a look at what the Indivisible Movement has done as far as healthcare is concerned and how we got it stopped, not by just engaging Democrats, but engaging the totality of the body politic, those are the things that we as progressives must do. Those are the things that we as progressives can do. We don't have to wait for instructions. We don't have to wait for party directives. We don't have to wait for any of that. We form our own local organizations and we effect the change that we want. There are some changes we can make from within, by the way, Michelle, that I'm going to talk about that, you know, again, we don't really care too much. And, and by the way, welcome um, Connie Sierras and Milton Gibson. Welcome aboard. And anybody else that I forget, forgive me. But we don't have to make that ch- or, or we don't have to be fearful as far as when to make that change. But before I actually get into the uh, show, I want to take a little detour here because I saw a story, I think I first saw it on Raw Story, and in the blog piece, I forgot to give Raw Story a hat tip on that one. I'll probably have to edit the blog and give them a hat tip. I went directly to the WGN um, news, the WGN station where the story was put out. There was, I know you guys know about the white supremacist uh, action that there was in, uh, in Florida. Well, there's this, uh, you know, there are a whole lot of activists together and they're kind of talking close to each other and all of that. No fights at that time. But this black guy then goes up to one of the white supremacists and gave him a hug. And, uh, you know, you, you take a look at that. And yes, he entered the white supremacist space. So that could have been a bit problematic. But the black guy went ahead and gave the white supremacist a hug. And the funny thing about it is the white supremacists did not know what to do. It wasn't a violent confrontation. It was any, anything of that sort. So I want to take care of, and I, I want to stay on this issue just a little bit, and then we're going to get into the Democratic Party issue. But I want to touch on this because this is important. Um, I, I wrote a blog before, uh, before that, that issue called, and it's going to be on, featured on Daily Coast tomorrow, somewhere, sometime in the evening. I titled the blog, Why I Give Racists Second, Third, and More Chances, and it is about sexism. And hear me out here. Here's the blog. Like most men, I grew up sexist and homophobic. It did not help that it was the culture of the Latin American country from where I'm from. My path away from homophobia deserves a whole article on its own, Most importantly, though, my path to becoming a feminist and a gay rights activist makes me much more empathetic, uh, makes me a much more empathetic person towards racists and others I am diametrically and morally opposed to for what they represent. This may sound strange, but hear me out. It may also piss a lot of people off. But if we want to heal, this is what I think it's all about. I became a feminist soon after I entered the University of Texas, Austin, but it was an intellectual realization that women as a class, like many other groups, Blacks, Asians, gays, etc., were discriminated against. I understood 
that the systemic nature of said discrimination resulted in the male-female economic and power disparity. Recently, I read an FD friend named uh, Jim Rigby's post that really spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, listen, guys, I understand your resistance to what women are saying this week about the prevalence of male abuse of women, but there is a gift in this for you if you can find the courage to set aside your defenses and hear what is being said. I remember my own painful awakening to my role in the patriarchy, sitting in a training session or training classes at the Rape Crisis Center decades ago. I remember the temptation to co-opt the conversation, making it about my discomfort with the conversation instead of what was happening to women. I remember resisting the statistics. I remember after training, speaking to colleges and high schools where the males consistently tried to shut down the conversation by presenting the experience of women as though they were nothing more than personal criticisms of men. I certainly remember a fraternity at UT shutting down my talk on rape prevention by shouting, F you, F you. Mentality, folks. To recognize how I had been taught to see women as objects and how I had been conditioned by the culture to fix women and try to stay in control without even realizing it was not easy. I personally could not think my way out of patriarchy. I kept finding flaws in what was being said. I did not realize I was using my own sexist interpretation of my life to measure the justice claims of women. Eventually, I had to grieve my way out of patriarchy. I had to die to my false hypermasculinity. I had to learn to stop trying to control and fix others. I had to die to my false bravado. I, and be born into the ambiguities of my deeper humanity. Like alcoholism, undoing male privilege is a lifetime struggle, but a reward of being fully human is worth every single tear. Jim Rigby hits the nail on the head. The person in the privileged position tends to take a defensive posture, even if they consider themselves enlightened and understand that the aggrieved class is really aggrieved. It was not until I joined Move to Amend, when I joined Move to Amend, where we centralized on race and gender, that I real, really understood the concept of just listening through the eyes of the offended class. The organization that had some strong women, or rather, that organization, meaning Move to Amend, that I was a part of, had strong women. And it was not long before they penetrated my my fall feminism. You know, I thought I was this great feminist. They broke me down. It was not for, for me to, to negotiate an understanding of what women go through via the lens of my still embedded sexism. It was these women and some men taking control and breaking me down whether I could accept it or not. The reality, however, is that I still had the opportunity to walk away, to flee the discomfort See, that's the thing. You can always, in these situations, just walk away. Go do what, go where you're not being judged. After all, most of the world is sexist. After all, a lot of the world is racist. So you can get away from the discomfort. Or I could stay and cathartically heal. 
I chose the latter, but I was ready intellectually to do that. Again, I was ready intellectually to do that. Many are not yet. The behavior is true when going through the interhuman dynamics of any aggrieved class, or this behavior is true. I once wrote that sexism has a much higher hurdle in our society than racism in my article titled, Hillary Clinton proved that sexism is worse than racism in America. But you know what? After I wrote that article, I got, I got a lot of pushback from white liberals, but especially black women. And the, the part about the black women shocked me the most because I think black and woman has a huge hurdle. And I think it is specifically because it is black and female. But I'm still listening. I'm still hearing the arguments. I'm not yet convinced. Am I wrong? I don't know. My Daily Coast compatriots tell me that I am, but I am not yet convinced. They haven't given me the information that I think would tell me that, yes, that is true. It is hard to move a juggernaut, folks. I now view most racists through the eyes of my past sexism and the continual journey to fully extricate it. The mind has two components, the intellectual part and the muscle memory part. Think about that. You know, you intellectually accept something, but still, if you, if you see it when you're off guard, you kind of cringe, and you kind of say, oh, God. You know, it's like the person who, who, who first saw interracial marriages and hated it because that should never happen. And then later, they accepted it because they knew, what's the difference? It's just pigmentation. But still, when they see it, to them, it's kind of strange. But later on, as more and more you get embedded into that particular truity, it starts to be natural. The muscle memory portion of your, your, your psyche takes control. It takes control as well. So the mind has two components, the intellectual part and the muscle memory part. When working with racists, the intellectual part is easy. Even if, they're, if they try not to get the intellectual argument, they ultimately do. You planted that seed. Don't think that when you're talking to a racist and telling him things that it's not seed in him. It is seed in him. It is preparing him or her. It is putting some seeds in there because it is putting some seeds that when the right fertilizer is dropped into his mind or her mind, that seed would start to grow, but you got to put the seed in. When people say, oh, forget about them, forget about it. You can't change them. I forget about nobody, nobody, but continue it. Even if they try not to get the intellectual argument, they ultimately do. However, the muscle memory portion of our minds requires practice and stimulation. That is where integration in all aspects of living can provide that positive stimulus. But one has to give the racist the opportunity for redemption after a screw-up, after a relapse. And that is something that progressives have a hard time doing. A lot of times they... A racist screws up, and it's the end of the story, and they don't want to have anything else to do with it. You're a racist. You're no good. You're terrible. Well, somebody could have told me that about my sexism. Somebody could have told me that about my homophobia. I can tell you for a fact it's completely extricated. It's completely extricated, uh, but you always make sure to keep it that way by making sure you continue to train yourself from the from the diseased past of your upbringing anyhow 
That is where integration and in all aspects of living can provide that positive stimulus. But one has to give the racist the opportunity for redemption after a screw-up, after a relapse. Look, I am not naive. There are racists who will, or there are racists who are willful racists. Again, there's a difference. There are racists who are willful racists. It fulfills them financially or it empowers them in a manner they find appealing, power, uh, the power to degrade, that sort of thing. It, it is, it is, it, that, that sort of an illness, deeper than just a basic racist illness. My contention is that they do not represent the majority. Most are swayed by ignorance, upbringing, and peer pressure. A racist, a sexist, a homophobe can always take the easy way out. Just like I could have run away from my own enlightenment, which would have been much easier. I didn't have to tolerate these women really letting me have it. Well, you thought you were a, a feminist, but look at what you think. Check this out. That is terrible, Egberto. It had to be extricated. It was easier to walk away. But we learn not to walk away. They can too. The racists can walk away too. And if we just keep the status quo and let the racists walk away, nothing changes. Nothing changes. That's why I like that other blog that I wrote where that guy sat down, or rather that guy in that protest went up to that white supremacist. The black guy went to the white supremacist and hugged him. The symbolic nature of that is saying, I know you're a racist, but I'm going to engage you. What do you do when you're engaged? Do you really know what a racist really is? If we really want to change, if we really want to have a truly functional, multicultural, multiracial, multigendered, multi-everything society based on true societal equality, we must give second, third, fourth, many chances. Remind, remember that we're all humans. Even that racist has a heart. Even that sexist, me previously, had a, has a heart. The homophobe has a heart. We all have our prejudices. And it is how we deal with our prejudices it is how we move forward with our prejudices. It's how we try to heal the prejudices. And it is how we engage others to find solutions to problems. It is always easier to down that person. It is always easier to say, you are just an old, you know, you're just an old racist. I don't want to deal with you anymore. That will always be easier, folks. But if you want change and if you believe in humanity, and if you believe we're all really, really, really equal, if you believe that, and I, I don't have to believe this, I know this, but we know that pigmentation has very little to do with what makes humanity, then I think we have to spread that reality to all. And I think those of us that listen to shows like mine, Politics Done Right and others, not talking about the ones who just want to create confrontation. There, there's always room for confrontation. I love a very good confrontation when it is effective. But there are times that you just have to do the grassroots work, whether it's on solving the social justice issue, the racial justice issue, the democratic 
party issue, which is what this show is supposed to be about, but I really, that touched me this morning, and I really wanted to get into it. Since I've been hyperventilating now for 20 minutes, I think it is time for me to take a call. Don't forget that telephone number. Give us a call at, and it scrolled off, but it's in there somewhere. Give us a call at, uh, let me tell you what that number is. Give us a call at 646-929-2495. Again, that number is 646-929-2495. Subject at hand, progressives and the Democratic Party. I say Let's the Democratic Party is going to do what the Democratic Party is going to do. Progressives, let's do what we need to do. And now it is uh, with great pleasure that I bring on El Senor John. Come on in, John. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you doing, Egberto? So far, so good. I haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, you haven't had a show in a while, right? <laughs> well, well, actually, on Saturdays, we've been – we've had tacit shows, right? I had to go see uh, – we had a uh, Nina Turner in town last right. week, yeah. so I, I I broadcast that on 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 our channel, and we yeah. also had the week before I don't remember what what we had, but it's been a busy time with getting all these new activists in and so forth. But how have you been doing? And and by the way, on KPFT as you know we're in Fun Drive, so all those lines go directly to the, uh, trying to make the station some money to keep it alive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Le- Nina Turner came right from Houston to San Antonio, and she gave a great yeah. speech. Yeah, and so that was a great. You know, there was about a hundred people there. I mean, it was it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. And, uh, I'm sorry. Were you there? Oh yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there, and uh, yeah, so I I got to talk with uh, Rick Trevino. He just got a. a, a Endorsement from Justice Democrats for the 23rd uh, District of Texas. So he's going to be running uh, against uh, three other Democrats, and hopefully uh, he'll win and he'll run against Will Hurd, which is a very flippable district that's in the top ten of the most flippable districts. So I I also talked with – there's three other Bernie supporters running uh, in uh, the 21st district, which is Lamar Smith's district, which goes to San Antonio and Austin. So I talked to all of them, and uh, so, I mean, it's it's looking pretty good. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty positive. I know Rick Trevino personally. We were actually Sanders delegate, and we met in uh, Philadelphia – and in fact, he sent me some information that we are going to start promoting uh, Trevino on our website, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's a very young candidate. He's a very articulate candidate and somebody that I think can actually win in your district. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. I even gave him some money, you know, so <laughs> so that's been great. And uh, I hope he does well, you know. Uh, I know he's been traveling. You know, he puts it up on his Twitter account how he's been traveling and right. uh, so it's been because it's such a huge district. Uh, oh yeah. So, so as as far as the what what your uh, blog of the week is talking about, I mean, I I got a little bit of a different take. I mean, you're talking about you know complaining, you know, progressives are complaining about the Democratic Party, and I think that the, the complaints are because a lot of people were purged out of the Rules yeah. Committee, yeah. and I, I kind of understand your take. Your take is. You know, we have to do this on our own, but I mean, you know, we 
I mean, people have to make a choice. I mean, are we going to stay within the Democratic Party or are we going to go independent? And I can think I you. Did... Real, before you go any further, can I answer that real quick before you go any further? Yeah. Let, let, me, let me tell you what I want to say to that because that's a that's a very important thing. And I was speaking to some people earlier this weekend, and what I look at them and I said is that the parties are nothing more than transports. We have a duopoly here, right? We don't have the structures that make it easy for independence to win a whole lot of seats here uh, just because of the nature of the party system. So what I would love for progressives to do is what I see people like um, uh, 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 Darnell Jones and uh, who was on my show on, on, uh, on Wednesday or rather on Thursday and Adrian Bell. And these are both uh, justice, uh, justice Democrats that are running. These guys are out there in the field running in the primaries and the idea is let's uh, if we can spend a whole lot of time talking about the democratic party is doing xyz which they are the establishment party is doing a whole lot of things to keep us a, a particular sect in office but when they see that we are working outside of the party within the party what i mean is running as democrats but outside of the party emboldening the grassroots so what if we have the structure doing all kind of shenanigans when we have the winners being people with our values? And that's what I want us to concentrate on. I want us to concentrate on let's go out there, engage the people, because the party isn't. We look at the Democratic Party here in Harris County. They don't come out here in my part of town. They've just given up on this area. You know, they just concentrate on the same areas. They have no vision. And the people with vision are those young folks that I'm working with in Indivisible Houston, in our revolution, in all these groups. These are people with vision. And I'm telling them, forget about the party. Forget about it. Register with the party. And not only register with the party, give a few bucks to the party. But go out there and do the work. Because when we do the work, we are going to take it over. What, the other thing that I'm telling them is start running for precinct chairs, folks. Because in Harris County alone, half of them are open. And then that is how we get power from within. We start with power from without, and then we get power from within. Continue, please, my friend. Yeah, no, it's it's great what you've been doing as far as, you know, uh, interviewing the Justice Democrats. I know you did it in uh, Atlanta, and you've been doing it on yes. KPFT. And I think that that's the, you know, the real big fight that's coming up. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, in Texas, it's going to be in less than five months. We're going to be having the Democratic primaries right off the bat, you know, uh, uh, we're the first state. And so, uh, so it's it should be coming, and it's gonna be it's gonna be great, and hopefully, you know, the candidates that you've been promoting will do well. Uh, I guess what I'm talking about is more more or less in the presidential, the 2020, because you know, as far as congressional seat and senatorial seats, I mean, what you're talking about, I think, is in play. I mean, it's just a matter right. of working hard and trying to get the message out there. But as far as you know the presidential i mean we have super delegates you have you know when when primaries are going to be held and that that in that sense the party really does have a lot of sway and so i i do think it is legitimate to to you know to complain about that and it's also i mean do the hard work i agree with that do the hard work but i mean you know is it is it possible that bernie or even uh, elizabeth warren you know, could actually get the most votes in 2020 and lose because of superdelegates. I mean, it it is possible. And so I think that, you know, that it, 
I think that it, we're trying to get, you know, originally they wanted to be, have some kind of unity, and, you know, in the race between Ellison and Perez, there was a lot of talk about about unity, and now it just seems like they're they're doing all these purges and kicking people off seats, you know, and again, it just pertains to 2020, but I mean, that's, that's a major issue, you know. I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, I, I, and to say that what you just said um, makes a ton of sense, right? In other words, I think what you're, what you're telling me here, and I, I, I'm going to go to some messages on the, on the Facebook uh, page in a little bit, guys. Um, I'm going to go read some of them in a little bit. I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, and it and not only makes a lot of sense, uh, John, it's very important. And what we have to look at is you're saying that do remember that the, the structures within the Democratic Party has some sway in who is going to be ultimately the, the candidate. But not only that, but that uh, they are going to be responsible for things like um, when elections are held, and they, they could play some games, if you will, is I think what you're alluding to. Right. Like, like, like last, you know, Clinton... Essentially, in my opinion, what she did was that she put all the southern straight states first in 2016. You know, I mean, obviously, Texas and a lot of southern states voted on March 1st, right off the, and not completely out of the gate, but I mean, you know, pretty close. The first major Super Tuesday was March 1st, and she got this, you know, almost insurmountable lead that was, you know, Bernie was behind her from then, from then on. And so right now, California has already moved up to, to that first Super Tuesday, and I don't think that that's much of a problem because Bernie actually has a uh, you know a pretty large lead. She has an 11 point lead in the last Zogby poll over Biden, and I think 14 over uh, Warren. So I mean, I mean, I know this is a long time away, but I mean, I you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it already. I mean, 2018 is more important. I wanted to take the House back. But I mean, you know, it is a, it is an issue whether these states and there's a lot of scuttlebutt on the internet about how, you know, California moving to March 1st is going to be, you know, go against Bernie. I think Bernie has enough support to actually win in I think so. in California at that early I, time. I absolutely so, folks. If you want to get into the conversation, please remember that this is also a call-in show, and I, I'll, of course, I'll read some of your 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 uh, mail here on the um, Facebook page, but give us a call at 646-929-2495. Again, that is 646-929-2495. Let me get to a little bit of the comments that are on here, if I can get to them. Uh, Let's see. Deborah says, Egberto, I suggest you bring Swing Left 07 to your show. They're working with a model that is progressive, focused, persistent, relentless. They are inspiring. Uh, from your ears to my, I mean, from your mouth to my ears, Deborah Birnbaum, uh, get them to contact us. And uh, if, I, if for some reason I can't get to the right person, and they will be on my show. If we do the job locally and statewide, 2020 is also going to be going to go progressive. I agree with that, Deborah. Swing left, indivisible. They're doing great. I agree. Elise Elderkin says, Without vision, the people perish. There's absolutely no doubt. Without vision, people perish. And, and the one thing we need now is vision. Uh, let's see what else here is here. Progressives uh, in the field run. We, uh, we will support you. I, I love that sentiment, uh, Deborah. We need, that is the other thing that we need to do, John, and everybody that's listening. People still have time to sign up to run for these offices. 
Um, we need people to start running. It's not enough to just say I'm going to vote progressive or maybe I'll vote progressive. We have to have real progressives of substance running. And a lot of you that are listening here are progressives of substance that could run. In fact, I don't know why John himself doesn't run. John, why don't you run? Uh, I just don't think I'd be able to do it. I just don't, I, you know, I, I have some personal uh, issues uh, and, you know, physical okay. issues. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I could. And I uh, welcome <laughs> Timothy Graffas from Mexico, visiting your friends and your your friends and family over there. No wall, and we don't intend to have any walls built. And Gibson, I think I said hi to you. Connie Sierras, I think I said hi to you. And Candy Horn, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. I hope this is not another Russian troll. <laughs> definitely not. If you know this show, this show's been on for a while, and we're definitely not a Russian troll. And Michelle Levin said, I used to think it was best to try to change from within. I know I was wrong. They don't want to change. They want the status quo. Uh, you're absolutely right, but you know what? Like, I, like we're talking here with John, there are several things that we have to do. John is right. Uh, John, is, John is actually more right than I was on, my, on the initial statement that I made. Because of the power of control in things like superdelegates and also because these guys have uh, certain controls on the election itself, we have to be cognizant of that so we, we can't just ignore the machinations that's, that's going on the, on the inside. We have to talk about them and we have to let these folks know that we are, in fact, watching them. So, uh, John, kudos to you on that one. We, uh, my thing is always being as independent as possible because I don't sit down and wait for folks to let things happen to me. We make things happen. Now, in your case, also, as you explained, also making things happen means that we also have to know and engage what these guys, meaning the Democratic Party, is doing that could have a material effect in getting our progressives elected. Now, talking about getting our progressives elected, there's something very important I want to talk to you guys about, and that is our candidates. I brought in two candidates, Adrian Bell and uh, uh, Jones, uh, Darnell Jones, and they're running in 24 and I think 22 here in, in the Houston area. I brought them into the show. And they're all doing fine. They're out there engaged. They're doing a lot of social media to engage their people. They're also doing a whole lot of work. Yesterday, I saw them on Facebook Live, engaging, engaging their, their people, which I think is very important. But there's yet something that is a bit more important, and that is funding. These guys that are running, it's okay for progressives to say, yes, we want progressives out there. There are several Democrats running in each of these races. Some of these Democrats are being funded by corporations. If you read, if you watch the show, there's one blog post that I wrote, uh, the blog of the day for that day, where I said, we are meant to operate within two rails, the left rail, which is the Democratic Party, and the right rail, which is the Republican Party. And tell me, when you go to the train stop and you see two rails, what is the one thing you know about those rails? They're both moving in the same direction. That is what we call the establishment. They, are, they force the issue within two rails, the left rail and the right rail. But basically, 
they're going in the same direction. I don't want to minimize the differences between the parties because they're great. But that delta can be expressed in the form of the distance between rails. The delta that we want to see is a delta of different paths altogether, a path that is not neoliberal. In other words, we want to move away from the point of view where we see America as some corporatocracy, some plutocracy, some uh, uh, oligarchy. Because both parties right now keep the plutocracy, the oligarchy, in power of the entire body politic. And that is what we want to get away from. So we don't want to work within those rails. Those rails are the ones that are funding Democrats and Republicans. Remember that. If you want a real progressive change, the funding has to be followed in the same manner that Bernie did his funding, where the grassroots bring those people to the fold, bring them to the election, bring them to win, give them the resources they need to win. So when Adrian Bell, when Darnell Jones, when Rick Trevino, and all these guys that are running come to you and says, we need, we need funding to get our message across, liberals, progressives, grassroots need to do what you can to help them. Because absent your help, they do succumb to the money. They don't need the kind of money that the plutocracy is paying for the guys that are fighting within the rails. They don't need that kind of money. But they do need your support. And on another note, with, uh, and I'll bring that into my radio show and the KPFT event as well. And Chris Nunez, uh, you said, I think you just said, more empty rhetoric. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but if you want to explain to me what you mean by more empty rhetoric, um, let's go ahead and give us a call at 646-929-2495. I'll be happy to talk about what you consider uh, empty rhetoric. We're very nice here. We engage in civil conversation here. And if somebody watching my show believes there's some empty rhetoric, I want to engage that person to see what would make my rhetoric less empty to them. So give me a call at 646-929-2495. I would love to speak to you, and I'm sure our audience at large would love to speak to you. Getting back to the message at hand where we are speaking about funding elections and funding sources. We have a station called KPFT 90.1 FM. It's a it's a progressive station. It's a complete community-funded station. One of the hardest things that we have to do is raise funds to keep that station alive. All the hosts, myself, my show, and all the other hosts go to that show for free. We provide these shows on our, because of our own civic duty. They don't pay us to do that. But still, a show that, that promotes progressive values, a show where progressives have a chance to get their message out in a cost in an economic manner. In other words, they come on the show for free. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to be selected by one of the bigger stations to get their their voices aired. 
And then coming to us, they don't only get to air their shows on on air, 90.1 FM on a 100,000-watt transmitter, but they get to watch it here on Facebook Live. They get to watch it on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Progressives have avenues, but one of the things progressives never or rarely get is the appropriate funding for real grassroots progressives to go out there. So the next time you hear from Rick Trevino, the next time you hear from Darnell Jones, or the next time you hear from Adrian Bell, or any of these progressive candidates that put themselves on the line and say, I am going to make a difference. I am going to make a better county. I am going to make a better district. I am going to make a better city. Support them. Support them. You support the corporatocracy when you go to Walmart. You support the corporatocracy when you buy a cup of coffee. You support the corporatocracy when you go buy a McDonald's. Donate a couple McDonald's to these people. Donate a couple of coffees. I'm talking the revenue that you would have used for the coffee. Help these people. Because absent your help, the plutocracy wins. And they win. And they win because they are in control of the capital. You can use the little capital that you have to leverage these people into power so that our dream, our progressive values will actually get realized. Come on in, John. Okay. uh, I want to change the topic a little bit and talk about two things that I think are really important. One thing we've talked about for, you know, since, since the election and that's the uh, Trump sabotage. And that's really was put in effect, uh, I guess, when was that? Last last Friday, I guess, eight days ago, is when he signed the order, and so and so now he's going back and forth, and whether he wants to have the the Murray, uh, uh, who's the other guy, Alexander plan, you know, which actually is going to help people. But I mean, you know, that seems to be floundering because he can't figure out whether he's going to sign it. And I mean, it seems like it has the votes to pass, is what I've heard. But I mean. Trump is in a very big dilemma, and here's a problem that Trump has, right? People in Kentucky hear about Connect Care. They don't realize that Connect Care is Obamacare, and that most of those people who are very poor in Kentucky, which most of the people, or a lot, large percentage of the people are poor, benefit from the CSRs. The CSRs predominantly benefit red states, more so than blue states, by, by, by quite a bit. So... Trump is, has to fight himself. He has to fight rhetoric over reality. If he, doesn't, if he doesn't sign the CSRs, it looks like a win for Trump rhetorically, and all those Trump supporters are going to say, yeah, we won, we won, we got rid of that Obamacare. But then they go to the doctor next year, and then they say, why do I have to pay $200 to see the doctor? Those CSRs used to pay... Well, because the CSRs got signed. Who did that? Obama. It's Obama's fault. Oh, no, no. It's Trump. It's Trump who removed the CSRs. And that's who is fighting, John. He's fighting himself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really, you know, I mean, I've, I've said this before. It's, it's like a, a political malpractice. Of course, the... The, the most important thing is that you help people have health care. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. let, let, let's put that up front. You know, that is the most important thing. Uh, give people access to health care, which the ACA did as far as, what, 22 million people had access. And now I'm seeing that um, I think it was a, a 
million and a half people have actually lost health care since Trump has come in. So, I mean... The, 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 the incline was up. The incline was oh, the a steady in- up. And as soon as Trump got into office, he did several things, John. He removed all the adverti- most of the advertising. He also went ahead and uh, cut the budget for Navigator. So the advertising wasn't only removed for the 2018 uh, enrollment period. If you remember when he came into power, enrollment period, as I recall, was still open, but all advertising was cut. And that had a material effect on people knowing that they qualified to get the Affordable Care Act. They qualified for uh, subsidies. It's a sad situation. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And it's, I mean, just, I mean, like I said, that the main thing is, is just helping people. But I mean, the, the secondary thing is political. And so that's why all the Republicans like Alexander and, you know, I mean, right now, I mean, you got 48 votes from Democrats. And, you know, you have 12 votes already from the Republicans, you know. So, I mean, it's just a matter of will McConnell put this, you know, bring this up for a vote and then will Trump sign it? So, I mean, we'll, I guess we'll, we'll be looking at this pretty carefully. But, I mean, you know, as much as, as, much as uh, I want the, the Republicans out, I mean, at the same time, you know, I want these people to get help and to, to maintain this, you know, for at least two years, even if it's just a, a temporary thing. You know, let's not pull the rug out from under them like Trump is, is saying he's going to do. So... Yeah, I don't. I, let me tell you. Ultimately, I don't think he does it. I think that was a bar, bargaining chip to make it look. You, you know, with Trump, that's all that's important. He has. He, he works in cycles, right? He works in new cycles. So he has a new cycle looking tough on Obamacare, and immediately he caves. And the thing about it, he advertises when he's tough, and he ignores the new cycle when he's not. And what he needs to do, and that's how the mainstream media helps him. When he does something crazy, they blow it up. And when he goes back and he, he, he kicks back on what he was going to do, oh, they say, yes, he looks like he, he turned away, but you know, that's Trump. And then they move on to the other subject. You know, I mean, it, is, it, it, is, it hasn't only been political malpractice. It has also been uh, uh, media malpractice. And a whole lot of malpractice is going on here. In fact, I don't know if you saw the uh, the I don't know if you saw that um, uh, Tom Hartman quoted one of my Daily Coast articles. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Hartman, uh, the one that I said uh, we should we should act, we should convict politicians for political malpractice. We should we should have a something to that effect. And uh, Tom Hartman started his show and he said the most important uh, thing I read was from, a, uh, from a, an activist called Egberto Willis, and it's an article he placed on, look it up on my site, an article he placed on Daily Coast. Yeah, said, definitely. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, um, so yeah, he, he, um, he went ahead and read that, a, a lot of pieces out of that for the show, and then he went on with the show and kind of expanded on it quite a bit, like only Tom Hartman can. You know how good he is, so. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. But anyhow, um, what, do you have any other issues that you want to add to the poll before yeah. I go into another one of my um, monologues? Yeah, let me let me let's talk about uh, the 
the tax uh, breaks for the rich. I'm not going to call it tax reform. I'm going to call it tax for, tax breaks for the top one percent because that's who yes. they benefit the most. And yes. uh, you know this, they had the budget vote uh, in the Senate, and so that passed. The only person to vote against it was a Republican, was Rand Paul. And so you know. I, so now they're going to go into this reconciliation, and they, of course they still don't have the wording on the bill, but they have an outline, and the outline is absolutely horrible. And you know, it's going to—if this passes, it's going to be you know worse than even the Reagan uh, tax cuts. And so I mean, it's this is really a, a huge event, and. I see, you know, it's a great debate between uh, Bernie and Ted Cruz. I mean, Bernie blew him away, but oh, I mean, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't see, and I understand why because healthcare, you know, that that has such an impact on everybody directly. I mean, it's life right. or death. But I mean, as you know very well, you know, the 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 problem, you know, with the if you have this this uh, income inequality that's going to be exacerbated even more with these tax cuts and it's going to make this this problem even worse and it's going to make you know people's lives especially uh working class and middle class people much worse uh i just don't think it's getting enough uh publicity and i don't think that the democrats are really you know pushing back in the same way as healthcare and i know that that's hard to do but uh, you know the vote's going to be coming. Uh, I mean, I don't know exactly when, but I mean they've already you know laid the groundwork for it. It's just a matter of getting the bill, you know, uh, and it, it could come pretty quickly. So I mean, I, I, I'm I just the tax bill is going through. In my humble opinion, the tax bill is going through. Uh, we have to remember that it's. Uh, wait, 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 let me back up. Let me back up. The budget is going through because the budget is not uh, etched in gold. Even after they pass the budget. It really means nothing, right? You still have to have appropriations and all that sort of stuff. So it's just going to be sort of an outline. But their outline is one that's going to kill a whole lot of Medicare and Medicaid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that said, I think what they're going to do is uh, pass the budget. And the only reason they need to pass the budget, right, is so that they can solve their problem with taxes via reconciliation and not need 60 votes. Kind of understand that. The only reason they're passing the budget and it will get passed is so that when they're voting on tax issues, it doesn't require 60 votes. Right. And that's what, that's what they're doing here. So anything can, they can just pass any budget. And then within, uh, when they start doing the passing the laws one at a time uh, for tax cuts or whatever, they can go through all of that because it's going to be within the confines of this budget that will get it through. And they're going to do a lot of, I think more than anything else, they're going to do a lot of cost cutting. And then after that, after they pass this tax cut, then they will come back and re-add the things that would have destroyed Medicaid and Medicare and just blow the budget apart because they're not going to let the Medicare cut stand. And we all know that, right? But And that's why it's a hard battle to fight because we know what's coming. We have to try to make a tax reform issue more a bread and butter issue, something that's going to kill Americans, something that is going to kill your budget. And, and we haven't yet found a way to do that. I don't know why, but we have enough paid people out there that should figure that out. 
but there are so many darn elitists in the party who haven't a clue what an average middle-class person's life is about that they can't see how do we market this. So the, the same way Republicans have always known how to market their own issues, and that is something we have to learn how to do. Yeah, and we have to, we have to put pressure. I mean, because I mean, if you look at the the real core of why uh, you know Trump Care didn't pass, is and the repeal in place didn't pass, is because you know we put pressure on Collins, Murkowski, yes. McCain. I mean, there are some other, and then Rand Paul, you know, from the right was against it. I mean, I don't I don't know if that. You know, basically, they just have to hold their caucus together, like you said. You know, it's going to go through reconciliation. It's going to only need 50 votes, and all they really have to do is hold their caucus. So we have to put pressure on Collins, Murkowski, McCain, people who are like that, to have it not pass. And it seems a little bit harder because that's more of their core values. You know, uh, which is which is really sad, but I mean that's the way it is. Even the moderates are really, and in, in the Republicans are really wrong about their tax philosophy, and uh, we we really need to not have this pass because it'll be a disaster. Well, you know what? We have a lot of work to do, and we are going to get that work done. You know, right now, John, we're coming up to the end of the show. So what I want you to do for me is give me a quick. Uh, a, a closer, actually a minute or so closer, and then I'm going to give the, my little monologue I want to end this uh, program with today, and then we'll have a great, a great ready for, for our show on Thursday. Come on in, John. All right, uh, great show as usual. Uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, covered a lot of topics. Uh, I think that uh, I'm just really happy that you're you're covering the uh, you know our revolution. You know, slash uh, justice Democrats slash brand new Congress people. I think that's really important that we that we uh, give publicity to these people and to that we you know vote for them in the primaries. Uh, as far as you know, one thing about you know, there's so many other issues that Trump distracts us from. The main one, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there there's so many issues, uh, but there's been a lot of distraction this week. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that should be covered. I mean, Kelly did terrible things to Federica Wilson. You know, lied about her. Trump did terrible things. Won't address what's happening in this year. Uh, so, but I mean, you know. It, it's hard to really kind of put a finger on, you know, we need to focus on on not having, uh, you know, sabotage. We need to focus on trying to get this this tax bill not to pass, uh, you know, so you know, because of all the distractions. But the distractions are disturbing in itself because, you know, they involve Trump and Trump's so disturbed. So, I mean, you know, try to keep, you know, there's a lot of things on, on people's plates but I mean, just remember, you know, the health care and uh, the the tax cuts for the rich are really important. So that's it. That's what I'm going to be focusing on the most. Thank you very much, John, and thank you for the input that you always put in, folks. Thank you so kindly for spending this time with us today. Please do remember to share all these videos. Please do remember to share this because, again, we know that the media is not out here to cover all the, the, the very progressive values of the issues that we stand for. So we need you to be the media. We need you to be the one that's going out there and doing what we have to get done. Let's remember that uh, there's a whole lot happening. Try to encourage people to run for offices, whether it's the doll catcher, whether it's the, 
whether it's the water board, the school board, every type of board, we need people, progressives out there running, not only on the national level that gets all the attention, but on every single level of government. We want you out there, but most importantly, on all those that are not running, all those that are sitting back, it is important that you support these progressive candidates. Give them the $5 a month. Give them whatever you can every month so that they can run a campaign that is sustainable and that can allow them to win. Because if we want to win, we have to invest in those who are putting out the values that we have found as found for. Now, as far as our resources, we have resources like KPFT and blog sites all over. These sites need to be funded as well. Because absent those sites, absent the KPFT radios of the world, there is no other mouthpiece for a lot of these progressives to get their messages out because the mainstream media is not going to take them seriously because the mainstream media many times are beholden to the corporatocracy, the oligarchy, the plutocracy. So it is on you. So please remember, share these videos, do your part, support uh, the KPFTs of the world, the coffee parties of the world, support the, uh, these candidates, and let's move forward. I thank you so kindly for spending this time with me. Uh, I would love for you to make sure to share these videos over and over again so that people can get a flavor of what's out there. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. You have a wonderful rest of your Saturday. <laughs>